0: Warning, the following may contain strong language and situations that are not suitable for all audiences. Listener's discretion is advised. Also, spoilers for all of Machia, the place where the promised flower bloomed, and other anime series may be discussed. Please watch the film and come back if you are curious about our thoughts. And finally, the opinions expressed are that of the individual participants and not the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. You thought I'd make some serious joke about moms and stuff, but I can't. It's Maquia. It's already emotionally devastated you more than any of my shitty jokes ever could. T- Hello, one and all, and welcome to Dub Talk, the show where a group of friends get together, cry about how much we love our moms, and wonder why that dragon needs a thing of visine.
1: Hmm. Yeah, he's got he's got a bit of a messy eye situation going on with his Some
0: dude. Got some red eye. Tonight, we welcome you back to another episode of Summer at the Movies. I am your host, Megan, and with me tonight, I have everyone's favorite bitch baby, Andrew. Hey, guys! I'm
1: ready to cry, like... Everybody's got some red eye, we promise it's not because of the seasonal pollen, it's because there's a dragon virus going on, killing all the dragon boys.
0: And just, let's just be real, the movie that we're talking about tonight, literally, if you don't cry by the
1: end of it, you have no soul. Oh, absolutely. What is tonight's movie?
0: Tonight, we are talking about the 2018 film from PA Works and the directorial debut of Mari Okada. That's right, Mari makes you cry about Christmas Okada! Directed a movie and it's called Machia, the place where the promised flower bloomed. Mm. So let's get to <laughs> I'm trying to remember what the fuck that Toradora song's called.
1: Uh lose my, lose my pieces, I think. Lost my let's pieces. Let's gather
0: all yeah, let's gather all the pieces she lost, crying about every other thing she's ever written. And let's get to a plot summary of Machia. Before I do get into a plot summary of Machia, please remember that this is a review of the dub of the movie and not the actual film. Stop trying to be a dirty pirate.
1: Yes, we kind of have learned doing this for the past two years. There is a shocking number of people who are going to click on this video and believe this is the full feature film. Nope, this is two idiots on the internet who are going to gush about how fantastic this dub is and cry our eyes out about how great this movie is, too. I've seen
0: this movie four times!
1: (laughs) I've seen it twice now, once with you in Boston, and boy, by the end of this, I really- my face hurt. It's- this is a gorgeous, gorgeous movie.
0: Yeah, I can't even make fun of him, so- uh, so, let's give you a brief plot synopsis. Machia is the story of Machia, a girl from the Eorf people. Known as the Clan of the Separated, they spend their days weaving. Their bodies may look like teenage children, teenagers or children, but they are ageless themselves. One night, the Kingdom of Mazarte sends their armies to capture all their women, thinking that it, along with the, uh, I- Renato! Sorry, the dragons are called Renato. What? Yeah, the Renato will seize their power and legacy. Machia is taken by a Renato who gets red Eye, a disease that basically causes them to go crazy and gets lost in the woods. About to kill herself from being separated from her family, she comes across a baby whose own family had been murdered that night. Adopting the child, two lone two lost children come together and go out into the world. Makia must learn how to be a mother and raise Ariel, a child who would get older while she still stays the same.
1: If I had to describe what this movie is, I feel like this is Mario Kada or a Japanese, Japanese writer basically making their own Western children's fairy tale.
0: It is a beautiful, amazing movie that has a ton of stuff going on, But it is goddamn amazing and everybody should watch it at least once. So tonight we are going to be doing a review of the dub of this movie that was uh, done and produced by Eleven Arts. If you wish to buy the DVDs, you can buy it as a team up between them and Shout Factory and them and Nozomi Entertainment. If you would like to get the really, really nice collector's edition, which I have because I am a sucker for this movie. And because I actually think it was the best movie last year,
1: unlike the Crunchyroll Awards. Man, I still think I don't think that will ever not be hilarious. The fact that maklia was snubbed from the nominations, like,
0: just Arcada's Arcada's face will live on in memory forever.
1: So let's put it like this: This is the people's choice in regards to what was it nominated that year. Though Two Heroes still would have honestly, if this was nominated, Two Heroes would have still won. That's how the that's how the game works. No.
0: Two Heroes wasn't even the best Bones franchise movie that came out to theaters last year. That was Dead Apple. Fight me.
1: And that's another (laughs) tangent for another day. Another
0: day. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Uh, So so we are going to start off with the ADR directors and the writers for this movie. Uh, because this is just going to be a review of the film itself, we have no predictions. Obviously this- I think the cast list actually dropped while we were at Anime Fest last year.
1: It did, I remember. We were we were all
0: at Kura eating revolving sushi and sho- I was shoving strawberry frozen mochi in GT's face hole.
1: That sounds like a fun time all around.
0: Yep. So, directing this movie is going to be Kevin T. Collins and Michael Schneider- and the writer on this movie is going to be one Christian Lamont. So, Kevin T. Collins, as a director, the only thing on a n that popped up was this. Was this movie. This is the only thing that he has been the director of as a movie, from what I understand from Anime News Network.
1: This is his directorial debut, you say?
0: Basically, yes. Uh, I could be wrong, and I feel like I might be, but oh well. For Michael Snyder, he did some directing work on fireworks. Did we see it from the bottom of the top? Mirai and in Oko's Inn. And Christian Lamont also did writing on fireworks, Kakigarui, and Castletown Dandelion. Mm. So, it's just the two of us. So, I guess, do you want to go first? Because you're the person who's seen... You're the person who hasn't seen this, like, four times. So.
1: Okay, I have seen this twice. So, I do at least still have some impression of how this goes. I will yeah. say, this is a very interesting cast of characters for sure. This is recorded at NYAV Post. The thing that's interesting about NYAV Post is that they have two studios located, uh, one in California and the other in surprise, surprise, New York. Mm -hmm. NY being New York. Who'd have thunk it? Um, So the thing that's interesting about their particular dubs is that they have casts from all over. They have a couple of people who are located in the New York Tri-State area. You've got actors that are located in the uh, California area. You even got a couple of people who will sometimes show up from Canada or Texas. They'll pop in a couple of dubs. Like I think a couple of the ensemble of this cast were some Texas people as well. Though I don't think they'll come up in tonight's performance. Another thing that's of note is that they actually get child actors when it comes to their doves and we will be talking about actual children in this and they sound very natural and like they sound like children so sometimes when they say a little bit of expository dialogue it sounds a little bit clunky but i can forgive at least like a seven-year-old being a little clunky in regards to delivery it's understandable but this is a pretty interesting ensemble of characters from all over and There is a lot of emotion, character development, and growth that has to go on through a large number of years, actually. I believe the course of this movie probably takes place, like, let's say over the course of, like, 30 years, probably?
0: I mean, by the end of it, it's, like, over the course of probably, like, upwards of 70 or 80
1: that's by the end but i'd say the majority of this movie is like spans at least like 25 to 30 years
0: that yeah i would say i would say ariel's like maybe in his mid-20s by the end of the movie
1: okay she may look mid-20s she's
0: i said ariel not not
1: Machia. oh okay my biggest fault is that i have to sometimes remember that ariel is the name of her son
0: Ariel's the k- Ariel's the baby.
1: He's a good baby boy, but there's a lot of emotional beats. You have to make it seem funny. You have to make it seem cute, heartwarming, heartbreaking. Sometimes really dark, really brutal stuff. Because Mario Kada, as a as a writer and creator. Actually, I should also preface right now. Mario Kata is like a big part of this movie, but she's also being supported very much in part so by the director of Alol in the Sea, which is another series that she wrote by herself. So they've worked together on stuff, which was also a PWA work show. So returning crew working on a original movie, which is cool time. There's Mm -hmm. a, okay, so I'm sort of rambling here. There's a lot of people that need to do a lot of very distinct lines and characters also need to sound a little older or more exhausted like even the characters that don't age they sound and grow because of the things that happen to them over the years and it sounds distinct and noticeable when the the years change with these characters they sound older and wiser and more tired and broken down by the world around them Or they just grow into more, like, bitter people. And it... All these performances... Like, there's one or two I think I have some issue with, but... I'd say the majority of this dub cast... Like, the ensemble sounds pretty good. And the main characters, some of the major players in this dub, are phenomenal. I'd argue at least one or two, probably giving some of the best of their whole careers the dialogue and script of this movie is pretty natural it's really there's a couple of cute little things in there that'll save more for the character interactions but i think it's a really poignant script nothing sounds too stilted or unnatural it sounds very very refined natural emotional and there's a couple of lines in there that kill me that break my heart in two and, oh, God, I'd say Kevin, Michael, and Christian, and everybody involved in this, this is top-tier stuff, and I was very impressed by this. And I can't wait to dive more into this. This this film's going to hurt me. Again. And again. And again. Oh, my God.
0: So the first time I watched this movie was uh, subtitled in the theaters, and... I have a kind of embarrassing story that, like, I got really sick in the middle of the movie. Like, my stomach was just very upset. And I had tweeted out that I really liked the movie, but I was really sad that, like, I missed part of it. Because I got, like, a really upset stomach in the middle of it. And P.A. Works liked my tweet.
1: That's still very funny <laughs> when something like that happens.
0: It's like, oh, thanks, P.A. Works, for acknowledging that I got the shits. Um,
1: they were also acknowledging that... Thank you for coming out to support our movie. To see our
0: movie. Yeah, the first time I saw this movie, like, I missed, like, a good chunk where, uh, Ariel's, like, kind of in the angsty teen phase. And, um, so I was very confused at certain parts. I was like, why the fuck is you here now? Um, but I remember, the most vivid thing I remember is crying to, like, the last 15 minutes of this movie. And then I got to go see it again dubbed, which was weird because like I ver- like I do get showings for like anime movies where I live, but they are at like one movie theater and it's like once in a blue moon. Um so I I remember the first time I watched this dub, I was like, Okay, this was just really okay to me. Like I wasn't super into the performances. Uh except for except for Lelia's. Lalia's was like always the one that I found to be the best. Um so then I watched it again uh, 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 when it came out on DVD because I think one of you guys had bought it at AB and... Or or my boyfriend brought it with uh, bought it with him in his, like, fucking, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! card binder of movies. He comes repaired. <laughs> yeah, he, he does. Um... And I remember really liking it a lot more when I had watched it, save for, like, there's one performance I find a little shaky, and then when I watched it again today, as prior to this recording, I was like, yeah, no, like... These characters, I really am behind this performance. They are standout in the dub as a whole. is incredibly solid effort from uh, NYAD, uh, NYAV Post, uh, who does a lot of things that I do like I do like that the children char- the children characters are played by children. But I do understand that is a limitation that can't be brought over to every studio. But I do that's one of the biggest things I do appreciate about them. I do feel like the script doesn't deviate from the subs a lot. It is a very, to me, feels like a very faithful adaptation that obviously does the good thing that ad- good adaptations do, which is adapt to fit the lip flaps and adapt to fit the the, uh, the English language without making it feel like it was clunky or over-translated. Mm-hmm. Um, I genuinely really appreciate... The one thing I did have a bit of an issue with is that um, the first time I watched this movie, knowing who plays um, Makia like I couldn't get another performance out of my head only because it was both something uh, related to Mario Kart. so I was like oh god and that dub was something I had watched like relatively recently and had talked about relatively recently on the podcast uh, not because I was on that episode but because I was on I do the dubbies every year and that that particular show happened to be on that um, so overall this is a really really good dub this is a dub that I would be perfectly fine showing people uh, this is a really great dub if you're a dub watcher. This isn't like, oh my god, this is like the worst thing ever. Uh, but this is also at times a dub where I was like, I could switch over to the sub and be perfectly fine. It would just depend on what mood I am in that day. Mm. Uh like I said, this this was a movie that came out last year. This was dubby contending eligible and I think I was like the only person who had actually fucking seen the dub at that point.
1: It's like they they're eligible <laughs> when they are in the theaters, though it also is dependent sometimes on which of us were able to get a screening or go to the theaters yeah. to see them. Yeah. And I was
0: the person who did, and even then this movie wasn't really like when I can't when it came to the fan vote and when it came to stuff like it wasn't the movie the movie dub that I was going to really push for. Like I do think like in terms of other uh, dubs that NYADV Post has done, I would say I do think *A Silent Voice* in your name* were stronger, fo- stronger movie dubs than than this. That's fair. Like this isn't to say this is a bad dub. no, it's like, no, this one's very solid. But those two movies, and I, and it's not like you say, oh well, these are those were both like stronger material movies. No, like *Makia* is up there with like. There's only one other anime movie that comes ahead of *Makia* for me, like. It's only Millennium Actress above Machia, then it's Machia. Mm. Um, and I will say this because I know a lot of people, I, I you know what, I'm going to save it for that character because I want to call call some shit out about things. But uh, no, so I do think that Kevin, Michael, and Christian really did a great job with what they were doing.
1: Mm-hmm. So are
0: you good to move on to the first set of characters?
1: I would love to talk about some of the characters in this series.
0: Awesome. So we're going to start with the village of the Eorf kind of. There is Racine, who is the uh, elder of the village of the Eorf, and Barlow, a man who travels around who Makia ends up learning is half-Eorf, and he kind of is just always kind of there when she needs him, and he's kind of like this mythical, like, fairy godfather, but he's drunk and smells, probably.
1: Your fairy godfather, who's just drunk sometimes, but he gets you out of a jam when you need him.
0: Yeah, he'd be like if Orson Welles was your, go- your fairy godfather, but he clearly reeks of alcohol.
1: Okay, now I'm just imagining Orson Welles in this universe, and I'm trying to imagine how well he'd fare.
0: Okay, my mom thought Orson Welles was the voice of Frosty the Snowman earlier. We were having quite the conversation on the way back from Knitter tonight. That is
1: very out of context, I could tell. But now I'm just imagining Orson Welles as Frosty the Snowman. Though, now I'm also just imagining Orson Welles being. Would he be an Okay, because or-
0: my. First of all, one, Orson Welles would probably be a more competent king of Mazarte. Hmm. <laughs> Shout out to Mike Pollock as the king of Mozart. We're not talking about because he doesn't have enough scenes.
1: But Mike Pollock, uh, you're the best at what you do, and thank you for being a delight.
0: <laughs> Doctor Eggman keeps getting rid of our dragons.
1: Oh goddammit. it!
0: <laughs> no, it's because my mom got my mom got Frosty the Snowman and Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street confused in the car earlier.
1: Okay, that's great.
0: <laughs> so getting back on track, playing the voice of Rasheen is a uh, uh, Libika Shaw and playing Barlow is Daniel J. Edwards. Uh, Libika Shaw you'll know as uh, Lala Sune uh, in Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin, uh, Kokoa in Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, and Yeiko Nishima in a silent Voice. I think that's Shoko's mom. That
1: is Shoko's mom.
0: His mom. Okay, cool. Daniel J. Edwards you'll know as Sentaro Omi in Junintan, Brick Telcat in Mobile Suit Gundam in Narrative, and Ryochi. Uh, Ryoichi Kyogoku Kyo in Psychic School Wars. Sorry, I can read. Go ahead.
1: It Look, sometimes you need to prepare yourself, even as somebody who can remember all the sword board is by memory. You need to prepare yourself sometimes.
0: What are you, nuts? I call half of them by their English voice actor.
1: Okay, sometimes gets them right. Um, uh, so I'll say first and foremost, these are kind of like smaller characters, but I think they are very interesting characters to discuss. Uh... Racine, which I also wrote down for a couple of these characters how to pronounce some of their names. It is Ra-seen, as in you have seen her. I okay. Mean, I mean, who wouldn't want to see her? Uh, she's older, but she's still got it. Good for her. Uh, so, Libica's performance as Racine is very sultry, but somebody who is wise and has lived a very vast life. Uh, She knows the ways of the world, she knows how beautiful the world is, she knows how cruel it is, she knows that to be the clan of the separated, you have to, surprise surprise, separate yourself from the rest of the world. And that's because there's the dangers of the people who want to use and abuse you, as well as just the idea that if you ever get too attached, you will outlive those you are attached to, which I always find a really interesting thing. If I had to compare, uh, the Eorth people from any other piece of fictional universe, any other piece of a fictional universe, that's what I meant to say, they kind of remind me a lot of the Asari from the Mass Effect series, which, uh, for those who are uninformed, the Asari are a, uh, single-gendered, uh, people- From the Mass Effect universe. They are all thousands of years old. And they have the ability to like reconnect and uh, copulate with any other species. But the problem is sometimes some species they will not live long enough. Like if they partner with a human. A human can live to up to like a hundred years. Which is barely a full tenth of an Asari lifespan. So... The elder to Makulia, Makia, Machia is like, even if you get attached, if you ever go outside, you will, will eventually be alone. There's the thing she says: if you ever fall to love, then you will truly be alone. Because she is somebody who clearly cares a lot for Makia. Because Makia, an interesting thing, I believe she is an orphan. And as far as a parent, yeah, she is. She, I think she actually says to another character, I never had
0: a, pa- I never had a mom.
1: Yeah, she never had a mom. Racine is basically the closest to a parental figure she has. And she is very much the leader and parental figure of everybody. She is, oh God, I'm about to give a terrible image in your mind. She is the matriarchal Papa Smurf of the Eorth. Oh Lord. So there's an image that I will not take back. I was thinking of the Asari and then I thought of the Smurf because they are- they are blue and that is where my mind led to and that is a terrible image. Uh, has a very like distinct, sultry, cool tone of voice. I think works very well. Barlow is interesting because Daniel is somebody I've seen in a couple of things, but I've not heard much of his work. He sounds like a very carefree, nonchalant, drunk uncle. He's a bit of a drifter who kind of goes place to place. He's a bit of a vagabond. Because when we find him, he's just kind of chilling there, drinking, while there's a bunch of dead bodies around, as Makia looks there, horrified at the sight, and he's just like, hey, this your first rodeo with dead people? Cool, get used to it. You'll see it a lot. He's just there drinking. Like, hey kids, want to see a dead body? Hey kids, want to see a dead body? Here's a pile to choose from. Oh wait, that one's not dead. You guys... Well, he'll be there in a second. Which unrela- unrelated? Unrelated. <laughs> can we talk about how how amazingly awful the sound design was of?
0: Oh yeah, we're like, did you just like hear her like unfurling the bones and they're breaking? And Barla's like, can you not?
1: It's like, are you gonna do this right now? Right in front of my drink? That's not cool. (laughs) Right in front of my salad. Right in front of my salad. The salad that I stole from them.
0: Yeah, like, that's my thing is, like, I'm, like, 100% convinced that Barlow was, like, raiding their camp after they were fucking killed. Which,
1: here's the thing. He's a good dude, but he also is somebody who clearly lives off the land. And, like, what else are you going to do? Steal from people who clearly aren't going to use their supplies? Like, they're not going to use it. You might as well But I just love how terrifying the sound design of breaking their fingers is To get baby Ariel out But I think Daniel has a very distinct voice I think he's a little stiff at times But I think he has this level of indifference to his tone of voice But you can tell he clearly cares And he helps Makia out a bunch Especially at the end of the movie Because they're kind of like there for each other to rebuild their home and their people and mm-hmm. I think he's an unsung character but he's very interesting. And he's got a cool design. I like I like the tan look with the uh with the blonde hair. I think it's a good look cuz that's how you tell that he is a halfling.
0: He which is re- like actually kind of a big thing that he is a halfling because that's kind of plot relevant later. Mm-hmm. So uh for I I'm really sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name ma'am. Uh for Miss, I'm just going to go call. It. Mrs. Shaw, Shaw or Mrs. Shaw. Um, I, I very much remember her as Shoko's mom. Because she delivers the greatest slap in anime history.
1: Oh boy, does she.
0: <laughs> I don't condone violence towards children by adults. But sometimes violence is necessary. <laughs> and that bitch deserved it. Uh-huh. Fuck you. Fuck you, girl. Well, I don't even remember that chick's name. And I own that damn movie. <laughs> I really need to put a mock with a silent voice. But she really does that stoic kind of isolated cutoff. Cause even if she herself seems very like distant with makia As to when is like that small time we see her with the Eorl, Like, just remember like, though there's this one like line that she delivers, it's like, I'm alone. I'm not any and she's like, bitch, I'm right here. <laughs> kind of in her tone of voice, like, really? really makia right in front of my right in front of my cloth and just her and just her standing up to um ezor who we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later in the village before we never see her again i think that she had such in that short amount of time she had that presence and that mix of being distant, and distant and cold because i feel like it's coming from a place of experience with her but also being a bit motherly towards makia because i don't know we don't know if she ever had children because we do see eorf parents with their children like eorf's despite looking the way they do do in fact have children that's a plot point later
1: um actually we'll get to that theory crafting uh let's pull up a anime theory for a second
0: are you theorizing that she's actually Machia's mom?
1: No, I'm theorizing that she's Barlow's mom.
0: That I always, I kind of got that thing too, because she said Bar, Barlow had said that she is the one that kind of ran him out of town. Mm. Um, Speaking of Barlow, Daniel J. Edwards does a really good job. He doesn't sound, he doesn't sound like he really ages, which is good because Barlow doesn't age. Barlow looks, Barlow's half eorf and he looks more eorf than human. Um, I think he does a really good job with, uh, making the exposition that he, because let's face it, Barlow does a lot of exposition dumping.
1: hmm
0: Um, he makes it come off very charming and very, like, very solid. He, he does the thing that I like in secondary characters where they are, uh, they, they stand out from the background, but they do not overpower the main cast. Um, and I think he does have a couple of really good deliveries, including the one about, uh, the one lost child finds another. Mm-hmm. He is the one that gets to drop that really great line. And then there's another one where he talks about how humans play their role. First they stare, then they talk.
1: Oh. Mm. In that first
0: human... Yeah, first they stare, they think restraints, then they talk about how to take care of us. And then they start... And then basically he's like, they start to kill and they start to take us. And there's a lot of really awful things that we're going to talk about in like two sections from now. Um... That's where I, I want to spend a lot talking about, like, one character and, like, how kind of fucked up, like, a fucked up deal she gets on a lot of this movie.
1: Oh, boy, uh, we'll get to that, but...
0: Uh, yeah, but I think that, uh, Ms. Shaw and Daniel did a really, really great job. Hmm. So, are we ready to move away for some ERs and into some people? I'm ready to talk
1: about some moms.
0: Let's talk about two good moms... Mito is the mom of two children, Lang and I forget the fucking other one's name.
1: Uh, he's Lang, the other one, and the goodest of dogs. Dogs. I I I I, I remember the second kid less and more the dog because he was just being. She was. Just, I think it was a she. I remember she was being a very good dog. She had the tail around.
0: Okay, no, it's it's a. Uh, Dita, uh, Mito is the mom to Lang and, uh, I believe his name is Daryl. Ah, okay. D- Lang and Daryl. She basically finds Makia in her- she's a goat farmer. <laughs> she, she makes, uh, she makes cheat goat cheese. And she finds Makia in her barn of goats with Makia holding up a baby Ariel to the goat udders. And Makia goes, I don't know how
1: these work! That is, like, the saddest but funniest <laughs> thing. It's just- You just wake up one morning, there's a girl in your barn with a baby to your goat's (laughs) udders. Like, I don't
0: understand. And my favorite part about it is, like, before she goes, she, like, kind of looks over, like, grabs a pitchfork and is ready to stab. And, like, Maki is crying and baby Ariel is just smacking the udders. It just keeps
1: smacking.
0: Because Ariel's an actual, literal baby child.
1: The actual, literalist baby child. And uh, Mito's just like... Well, I guess this might as well be my Monday morning. It's like, well, well,
0: here we are. Um, She takes care of the farm. She takes care of Makia. She's kind of Makia. Makia like self-describes her as kind of like her big sister.
1: Mm, Very much so. And
0: she is. I think she is the ideal mother to Makia in the world. (laughs) Um, Dita is a little girl in the village who pisses off Ariel the day before he leaves and she never gets to apologize to him who eventually, uh, grows up and becomes his wife and, uh, mothers their child, Lily, and basically the two of them were, as I think by their their daughter Lily's own admission the most perfect couple there ever was mm. um, so playing Mito is Allegra Clark and playing Dita's older self is, uh, Ryan Bartley uh, Dita does have a younger voice who we are unfortunately not going to talk about because she literally has, like, two freaking lines in the whole movie, and that is Katie Harvey mm, okay Uh, so play Allegra Clark you'll know as Archer in Fate -er she's Archer of Red in Fate Apocrypha Jinyu in FLCL Progressive and of course everyone's favorite MILF so good that it makes you cheat on your own wife (laughs) Tomoko Hikashkita in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable. Ryan Bertley you'll know as uh, Ram in both Free Zero and Isekai Quartet, Komugi in Hunter x Hunter, and Yuna in Sword Art Online, Ordinal Scale. So, let's talk about the two good moms.
1: They are great moms doing their best. There's two different approaches to uh, moms that... I think the thing that's really interesting about mito that i think what's really integral to mito that's really important to maklia she is a widow and single mom of two kids and living as a uh farmhand like she is she is by herself because her husband as she mentions uh she was killed was
0: killed by a Renato with red eye.
1: She was killed by a Renato with red eye which I don't know if that implies that he was a soldier or if he was just walking home to get some cigarettes one day and then just got hit in a freak Renato accident would cigarettes exist in this world or would they be pipes? I
0: think cig- What was I watching where somebody was? Oh wait, no, that was Black Clover, not this.
1: Okay, um, yeah, the Black Clover is a very. I was
0: like, there's there was like, there's cigarettes. I was like, wait, that's Yami, not anybody in this fucking movie.
1: I'm just thinking, no- nobody smokes in this movie. They definitely drink though. We'll get to that one later. But oh yeah, Mito is Mito and Allegra is great because Allegra has this very authoritative voice to her tone she sounds wise she sounds stern she is tough and stern and ready to throw down because she is tough and is willing to survive in this world and by surviving this world as in survive as a mom who is taking care of two kids by herself She has gotten tough and stern but she is sweet and caring she gives a little tough love to her kids sometimes but she is somebody who is basically willing to give a complete stranger with nothing not even a name for a child she picked off off the street and she's willing to give her a chance give her a place in her home help her out give her place like gives her a job basically as a seamstress cuz a big thing about uh, the Eorth is they weave cloth the Hebeal, which is a representation of who they are and a part of their life their life story.
0: Yeah, and Hebeal as a thing can contain messages. Like, that is how the Eeyorephs speak to each other. Like, that is an integral way that they do communicate with each other. Which is, by the way, a really cool world-building thing. Oh, yeah,
1: that's really neat. And I actually like the way they implement that sometimes. Um, but... Mita, like, Allegra's got this tough tone of voice about her, and she, but she's very cool. Like, she is a badass, and she cares for her kids, but it's also just a lot of fun watching her interact with, uh, Makia and her kid. And I love when she gives her, telling her about, how do you survive this world? How do you do this? And it's like, what is it about being a mom? Well, it's all about guts. And she just slaps, she just slaps her belly. It's like, that's what it is. It's all the guts and that is something that makia takes to heart and mimics when she's living by herself and she moves away from Mito and the kids and that because that really sticks with her this stern mother figure and allegra is fantastic as Mito, and uh dita uh raya bartley has a very uh she sounds cute, but a little bit spunky, but you can definitely tell she is, like, a younger mother who is very much in love with the man. Her childhood... By the way, you know how many anime where the childhood friend gets nothing or gets screwed over? Congratulations to Dina being a childhood friend. That gets lucky. Good on you, Dina. Good on you, girl. Um, But... Riot is spunky. She's cute, but she sounds very soft-spoken. And also, credit to her, she has to act out birth. She has to.
0: Yeah, she gets to do the mom equivalency of going Super Saiyan. <sighs>
1: <sighs> and this is to go even further beyond. <sighs> 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 It's a girl.
0: Uh-oh. But Aw, oh, man. Toriyama can't use that.
1: <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> now I'm just imagining every woman in Dragon Ball Z had to give, like, a Super Saiyan pregnancy. Okay. Oh, Only Bulma. Bulma Bul- 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 got magical C-section via God. She's also, like, the richest person in the world. She can afford it. Uh, anyways, Bitch, back on track. she did not
0: pay Weiss. Bull- she- bullshit, she didn't fucking
1: pay Weiss. Okay. Oh, right, that got retconned and we uh, gave birth to Bola. That's right, okay. I have to get used to the super continuity. Anyways, off track. Ryan sounds very good, and there's a lot of, like, yelling and stress that has to go with uh, playing Dina. But my favorite thing about her as a character is when she's crying, when her hubby returns home from the war that they lose badly. And she's cr- like, this is what- Killed me when I first watched this movie. Where she's just crying. It's like. I said I ma- said something terrible. I made fun of you for liking your mom. Your mom is the fucking best. Like. Makia just kind of happens to find her. While she's in the middle of a war situation. It's just like. This is Ariel's kid. Please help me. And she kind of basically helps her birth a child. And it goes well. And it's adorable, and Ryan does a great job being this fun character, and Dean is adorable.
0: So I'll start with Mito. I love that Allegra Clark is Mito. I love Mito's perform- performance as Mito, because she doesn't make her... Sl- like I brought up uh, Tomoko, which D- D- uh, Mito and Tomoko don't sound anything alike.
1: Mm, they do like, not.
0: That's a- and they're both moms. I like that she makes Mito sound older than Makiya, but not, like, older, like, 40, 50-year-old woman. She sounds like a woman solidly in her 30s. Yeah, like, definitely. I love that she, the, the whole, like, it's about guts thing, and just Mito is, like, the actual coolest.
1: Oh, absolutely. I
0: I would watch an entire movie just about Mito doing
1: shit. Like, she is, she is the single mom in a fantasy world surviving and doing her best, and Actually, one thing I forgot to mention. She delivers the hard lessons. Like, is everybody going to die? To die? Yes. Which, I didn't quite cry there, but that is the goodest doggo in the world, and watching her get (laughs) old?
0: Does the dog die in Maquia, Unfortunately.
1: (laughs) Yes, but... she's she's a good dog she dies of natural causes and she lives a wonderful life
0: just the way that she delivers that is like so like kind of harsh and blunt but you know she's doing it because she has to and it's like does everybody die yes unfortunately but she died a good she died a good death she died she just went to sleep she wasn't in pain and i was like that is something that like my actual mom has done to me and Allegra did it in, like, ver- a very similar tone that, like, my actual mom would do. So I really appreciate her performance. I do wish Mito was in the film longer or got to come back, because I would have killed to hear Allegra play her at other points in her life. And it is a shame that she- but, like, obviously this is not a television series, it's is a movie, so you can't, like, spend too much time- and this movie has a lot in it! Like, this is a dense two-hour, like, hour-forty-something movie. i'd
1: say for the most part it doesn't feel like it's ever rushing there's maybe like one or two parts where it's like okay they're definitely kind of cutting some things a little bit but it was never like too distracting to me
0: yeah moving on to ryan bartley i actually have had no idea until someone told me who the fuck was older dina i thought it was sarah williams like a lot like i could not tell who that was like Every time, like, I just never could tell who it was. So I really, really enjoy it. Ryan Bartley is an actress who's in a lot of things that I just don't watch. <laughs> um at, at least I'm gonna try to fix the Hunter Hunter one.
1: Oh, damn right, you're going to.
0: <laughs> I love that. I'm gonna watch all of black cover. Oh, so you watch all of black cover and hunter hunter, I see how it is. Ryan does a really good job, and I do, I I, I like I joke about the Super Saiyan thing, but like I have to imagine that that's a really tough session to come to. Hey, you're giving birth today, and it's like not like a. It, it's a pretty intense scene. Like, I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna lie. It's like juxtaposed to like a bunch of soldiers dying. And I thought
1: Ariel was gonna bite it. Okay, they um, they very much were implying. Okay, Ariel might actually bite it in this. Fucking part. die. Also, I th- I appreciate Mario Kama. Our Ar- nah. I appreciate Mari Okada adding the feminist perspective of comparing the pain of childbirth to actual war.
0: It's accurate.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: It's, oh, I, I feel bad because as a joke in my mind when I was watching that scene this morning, because again, this has been like like one of the third or fourth times I've ever watched this movie. Um, In my mind, I was like, man, that's just me after going to the Taco Bell.
1: Oh, <laughs> Well, that's, that, that's an image.
0: <laughs> that's an image I'm gonna, everyone's going to be mortified when they listen. No, so I, I genuinely really liked it. I genuinely thought she, she really did. Because, again, it is it is very hard, I would think, to act that without making it sound like really forced and really fake. Mm-hmm. So I think she does a, a, a fantastic job of that. And let's talk about the one line that actually killed me. And it's not delivered by, by Dita and... It's it's the answer to the whole thing. He's like, "I was such a, an awful like kid for saying like I hate I, like it was weird to love your mom and I was so jealous of her and she's like crying and then Ariel like in the most smooth, the most smooth line I have ever heard an anime character in love ever say, "My mom raised me to become the man who would love you."
1: Oh, fuck. Yeah, I wish I was that smooth.
0: That's just like, this girl has just popped out a baby of you and just like, man, she can't fuck for a while, but god damn, they probably, she probably Ooh. gave him some for that. Like, that was, that's some like. That's, that's gonna. That's, that's some like drop the panties.
1: I have no retort to this. This is just a very sweet scene. Now we are making a lot of implications. <laughs> Anyways,
0: but like no, I I loved it, and I really I do really like Brian Bartley's performance, and I, I need to start watching more stuff with her in it because I think she's a a, a great uh, up and coming actress. Mm. So let's talk about the army and kind of one of the bad guys of this movie. Like <laughs> this
1: is, like, sort of this bad is the guy. We'll talk about it.
0: I mean, I would say the kingdom of Mazarte in general, and the king and the prince. Um. Uh let me get the princess fucking hazel uh, his name's Hazel. hazel yeah they're kind of officially i would say the bad guys but i would say ezor is kind of the um the face to more of their badness uh so and lang is mito's older child who eventually finds makia again uh when she's she and ariel are older and he is also uh actively fallen in love with makia
1: that's gotta mess you up as a kid, being like, this girl who's been living in your house is, like, the same age as you, and then when you grow up big and strong and cool, and you find out that your childhood crush literally has not aged a day, that's gotta do things to you, man.
0: Yeah, he actively does ask her ask her out at one point. He offers to- he's like, yeah, no, I don't care that you are an immortal creature, an immortal being, like- I'm willing to 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 have a life with you. Which,
1: by the way, a plus for him for taking rejection like a champ.
0: That's never easy. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about that. I want to talk about the way that that line's delivered. Um, so, but yes, he does take rejection like a champ. Poor motherfucker.
1: Well, he tried.
0: Yeah, that's that's a moment where you're just like, well, you.
1: You see what well, I you see what I did there, right? Yep. Thank you.
0: Gold gold star for effort, hey. Lang. So, playing the older version of Lang is our what our assistant director, Michael Schneider. Playing the younger version of Lang is Spencer Rosen. Uh, and playing Izor is Mark Thompson. Michael Schneider has done background performances for Liz and the Bluebird, Napping Princess, and Lou Over the Wall. Spencer Rosen was Kazuki uh, Kazuki Shimada, in Your Name. Uh, he was also in Fireworks and Miss Hozuki. Mark Thompson, you'll know as Mr. Han... Uh, Mr. Honda in Seven of Seven, Drawa in Freedom, and this one is going to make a lot of people very, very, very happy, slash make Andrew laugh his goddamn ass off. Hmm? He was a, at one point, he was partially the voice of Chaz Princeton in Yu-Gi-Oh! GX.
1: No fucking way.
0: He was also Duke Devlin. No fucking <laughs> I actually didn't know that! What the fuck?! He's the Chaz and the Duke. He's bringing sexy back.
1: Oh. Okay, you just... I'm so glad I didn't know... I did not know that. You just blew my fucking mind. You okay, buddy? I will be in a second, but I need a second to process. Okay, I'm good. I'm ready to go. (laughs) All right, go ahead. Okay, so first I'll start off with Ezor and... Getting off the fact that that is, in fact, uh, Duke Chaz. and Chaz. Th- Chaz it up! Oh, God, all the times hearing him say Chaz it up, especially <laughs> listening to uh, Martin's reviews of going through Yu-Gi-Oh! GX lately. It's been very fun seeing Chaz do his thing. Um, hey,
0: Lalia, Chaz it up.
1: <laughs> okay, so Ezor is interesting, and Mark Thompson plays him with as a very... How do I describe it? He is loyal to the crown very vividly. This is his life. This is his calling. He is a commander that grows through the ranks. He is one of the fir- he is one of the ones that basically leads what is essentially
0: No, he does isn't one of the ones who is it. He is the leader of He that. is the leader of.
1: Look, we're not going to sugarcoat it. That was a genocide.
0: Yeah. He kind of leads the
1: genocide of... The Eorth, Eeyoreth. And that's kind of messed up and crazy. And then he is somebody who follows his duty for the king and the kingdom. Even if he himself is kind of not as cool with the treatment that... How do I describe it? When the king and the prince, a.k.a. the person who made uh, Lelia, his wife and bearer of their heir. They don't even see her as his wife. They see her as a monster or that thing. They- they used her, abused her, and tossed her away to basically be a bird in a cage. He is the only one who is even attempts to really interact with her or- Actually, something I noticed. He's one of the few people that actually calls her Princess Lelia.
0: Yeah, he I wouldn't I wanna say over the course of the movie, Izor is somebody who becomes, I think, more disenchanted with what the kingdom is doing and realizes what he's done is absolutely fucked.
1: Like, it's not something that's given a lot of attention to, but you can very much tell, like, the fact that even in the end, he still like showed kindness and care to Lelia
0: yeah like he um obviously there's a spoiler review he is the one that saves lelia from her death by the hands of somebody that she was once in love with mm. like he is the one who takes that character out and he actually in the end gets punished he gets captured by the enemy he is one of the people who got arrested
1: yeah because the kingdom that did all of this
0: Mazarte fall. falls
1: Mazarte falls that is how the movie ends, is the fall of this kingdom. This kingdom that basically really... destroyed this culture. And at the end of the movie, not only do they fall, the Eorth are rebuilt. And that's really interesting. But Mark has a very... St- yeah, I
0: really want to talk about that with, like, specifically Lelea. Oh,
1: yeah, we we will have words. But I will go through this quickly. <laughs> uh, d- uh, He is official. He is stern. But you can also tell when he sounds younger... And a bit older, cause he ages. Like I, I think I like about certain characters, they age up pretty reasonably, and they don't they don't look very drastic. He ages up to being a young commander, so like a more senior official to the head of the knights, basically. Mm-hmm. And you see it in his face, and you hear it a little bit in his tone of voice, and I think that's really interesting. As for Lang, Lang is a very good boy. He is a very good boy. He does. He is older. He's a little bit buffer. He kind of seems like a bit of a cool dude who's a bit laid back. He's a bit reserved. I think he takes rejection of his childhood crush extremely well, and he's a goddamn champ. I don't typically like comparing uh, certain actors or voices to other actors, but there's something about the way when he's a little softer spoken and he's talking to Makuya in a more serious way about how to approach things or to warn her. He kind of sounds like a softer spoken Sonny Strait in certain parts of this movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, it it sounds very similar to Sonny Strait to me as a comparison of a tone of voice because I didn't really have a reference to any other things he's done. I also think he has a really good scene when he's calling out Ariel when he's like, he kind of wants to get away or he wants to get away. He's like, this is what you're going to give her. This is what you're treating her as? Somebody who's given everything for you. This is how you choose to Oh her? yeah! He gets angry because he's like, she has given everything for you. And what the fuck are you doing in return? And that's when he lays it all out and he helps him out, which, yeah, that's a, he's a really interesting character and he's somebody who is kind to Ariel and a friend to, to Machia. And I think Michael, I'm not very familiar with his voice, but I think he does a really good job fitting into the role of Lang, and I really did enjoy his performance.
0: Yeah, let's get through Izor first, because Ezra is a character who shows up a lot less frequently than Lang. Um, I think I am very much not, like, literally, okay, look, it has been, like, a decade since I've watched Yu-Gi-Oh in English. Like, I've purged my timely memories of Yu-Gi-Oh. Like... I I don't remember that part of my life for various reasons, so I am not super super familiar with Mark Thompson as an adult. If you would child me
1: would uh,
0: child me probably would have remembered, but adult Megan doesn't fucking remember anything. Adult Megan purged her middle school years. If you're curious Um, of
1: some of our other thoughts on Yu Gi Oh and what we think of the cast, stay tuned later this summer at the movies.
0: Yeah, or I don't know when the fuck this is coming out.
1: (laughs) Uh, Before that.
0: Okay, cool. So I think Mark Thompson does a a a good solid job of being Ezor. I do say that uh, he is very soft-spoken for a general, especially when he is with uh, Lelia. Um, Obviously, he has his uh, times of yelling, and I do think that Michael, uh, I'm sorry, Mark does the good job of shifting his his tone with how Ezor's own perspective has shifted. Because let's face it, like you said, Ezor does start. A, a a genocide. The I think the words out of his mouth are "kill any who resist, take the women." Hmm. So it is it is very clear that they and we don't know what happens to the other female Eorps.
1: We don't. Oh boy. We
0: don't. The only one we know that they took was Lelia. For all we know that they they could and and judging and I I hate to be very crude or say something that's like like this that could potentially be very triggering to people. If you're paying attention to some of the dialogue of the other soldiers, uh, one of them, one of them says to the other one, if you're into this shit, go ahead, you creep. So, there is the implication that some of these soldiers potentially raped the the other women in the village. Yeah. Like, like, it is a very fucked up and bleak thing that is very much like, you have to sit and think about this as a movie. Um... And I do think that one of the things I do like as on a narrative end, and this doesn't have anything to affect on Mark's performance, because unfortunately, I don't think that Mark speaks in that moment. I think he might. Uh and if he does, it's a very wistful kind of like, yeah, we deserve this. Uh Izur gets arrested.
1: I think that was him actually, in yeah,
0: Izur, when- yeah, Izor is the only one of the kingdom of of the very fucked up royal family that you on screen get gets to see him get a pay-up for
1: his actions. Yeah, the royal family escapes unscathed. Escapes. And they get rewarded for the terrible up things they do. By... Things that
0: they've done. Like, they escape, they, they abandon both Lelia and the princess, and one of the most fucked-up things is um, Prince Hazel yelling, I don't have a child. Yeah. Which... We can get to more of that in the next in the next character segment slash in final thoughts, but um, I think Mark does a, a good solid job. And Michael, uh, I'm going to talk about Spencer Rosen first. Spencer does a good job doing um, a very em- empowered speech that does sound like a teenage boy straining his voice because he is very much upset at this this moment too, where he uh yell younger Lang yells at Makuya about crying in front of Ariel. Where he's like, You're his mom, you can't cry. And you can, like, hear his voice kind of cracking and straining. It's like, Moms don't cry. Our mom doesn't cry. You knew this was going to happen. You got to be strong. How are you ever going to protect him? Mm. Which is great because it's also uh, juxtaposed by Michael Schneider doing a really great job as older Lang telling Ariel to fuck off. Mm. To which a lot of people, like, there are some people I know who have a problem with how Ariel acts in this movie. We'll get to more and of I, that
1: to Ariel, but yeah.
0: But I will say this, though, as a, as a lead into this. At least Ariel gets called out on screen by somebody unlike Ame and Wolf Children.
1: Ooh, that one's still sore from last year, isn't it?
0: Oh, hell yeah, it is. Um, and Here's the dumb thing. Here's the worst thing. That was his biological mom.
1: Let, hmm, okay.
0: Uh, we could debate that one later, but... Michael does, for a guy who I think does a lot more behind the scenes than like uh, in actual anime voice acting, I think he does a really great job. I think Lang, older Lang is very relaxed, very yet very tense, very kind of I think a little world weary because at this point he's had to leave his home he's had to participate in this war he, I don't think he really actually gives a shit about the royal family Mm -hmm. um, he's the section commander by the time the war happens Um, and just... I think it's really funny, is I think he calls her... I think at one point he calls Ariel Maquia's father. Um, when it's like, calm down, just because it's an Eorf doesn't mean it's Maquia. What are you, her dad now? Mm. And I think that Michael does a good job of being this kind of, like, odd, like, voice of wisdom. While he himself is still kind of younger and we don't know if he ever has children we i think the end of the movie just says that the, that lang had helped them get back to the to the town to the farm but we don't know what really happens to him but for when he's on screen michael does a really good job of bringing it i would say of of the secondary cast of characters he is by far the strongest mm. male he's the strongest male actor
1: yeah okay uh
0: strongest female actor in the secondary cast is kind of coming up um so are we good to move on
1: uh yes because i really want to talk about uh, at least this one of the these sec- characters is back background. This is
0: the section that's going to be the longest. <laughs> um, this is probably going to be one of the longer sections. So let's talk about the other Eorfs that are closest to maquia There are Krim, a boy in the village that at the beginning of the movie we see is kind of Machia's, one of Maquia's best friends. Uh, we have Lelia, who is the fastest most beautiful wild kind of wild child of the Eorl, who uh and kind of encourages Machwia to always kind of do reckless things. I think at the very beginning of the movie, she's like, Come on, Machia, jump off this bridge and into the water and we'll swim together and stuff. And you kind of find out that um that the night that the Renato attack, Machias sneaks off because she sees Krim sneaking out, and it's very much implied that the two of them were in love with each other and that Machia might have had a crush on Krim as well.
1: Mm. Um, and a Mario and Kata I'll... without a uh a romance wheel triangle.
0: R- romance wheel, bitches!
1: Oh boy, if you wanna if you wanna <laughs> see a Mario Kata show with a romance wheel, go watch a Lola to see. That shit gets crazy. That's anyways.
0: That's on my shelf. Um, I still haven't watched it. But uh, things happen, and Lelia is of course kidnapped. She is forced to marry Prince Hazel, and between them, they have a child. That child is deemed to not be what they wanted. It's not an ER if it doesn't look like one. But they have a child named... uh, Laylee has a child with uh, Hazel named Medmel. Medmel is their daughter who basically gets treated like a monster and isolated her whole life. And at the end of the movie she only sees her mother once in her entire life. Yeah. And it is a moment that will drive you to damn tears. (laughs) Uh. So... Playing Krim is Kevin T. Collins, our director. Playing Lelia is Jeremy Lee. And playing Medmel in her child form in her older form is Brooklyn Nelson. And playing her as a child is Courtney
1: Chu. So there is not I will say this. There's let me do the roles of these characters Oh right. Oh, first. right, right, right. Yes, do the thing. <laughs> so
0: Kevin T. Collins You know what? I'm gonna do Kevin T. Collins last. Uh Brooklyn Nelson is uh Nanaza uh, Oikawa in Fireworks. Courtney Chu is Onao in Miss Hosuki, And Yoriko Ikezuki in Okozen. Sheremi Lee will know as characters such as Haruna and Anohana, the flower we saw that day. Gali Gali Yuta Antha in Gundam Seed. <laughs> Holy shit, that's a mouthful. And Kyoka Izumi in the Boon Stray Dogs franchise. Kevin T. Collins you'll know as- <laughs> This is an actual fucking name, I'm not kidding you. Aino Nojio- Arobutsuro in Magic Users Club, Rue Lei Kristenet in the Mobile Suit Gundam Seed franchise, and he's everyone's favorite best friend who did absolutely nothing wrong in the world, Griffith in Berserk.
1: Uh, okay. I can't wait for my buddy Crimson to type Griffith did nothing wrong in the nothing comments. Nothing wrong in right the comments.
0: Now. Now. Hi, buddy.
1: Anyways, so. So, uh. There was something we were talking about. I think we were originally going to do this as Krim and Lelia, but we threw Medmel in.
0: (laughs) Medmel in because her parents forgot her. We shouldn't either. That
1: was it. Yes. And I agreed with you immediately. Poor,
0: poor fucking Medmel.
1: Uh, Medmel is a good girl who is also in a tragic situation. Brooklyn does a very good job being a... I think what's really interesting about... Brooklyn and Medmel is that she's very much accepting of, well, castle's fallen, time to begin a life, but she's not really scared. She's just kind of like, oh, I guess I could have a life now, which that's fucked, but that's true. Hey, castle's fallen, royalty's gone, everybody- I'm li- free! I can do whatever I want now. I can live a life. I can have a life, which is upsetting. Brooklyn does a good job as this character. I will then move on to uh, Kevin T. Collins as Krim. Kevin T. T. Collins, while he is, this is definitely his directorial debut, which I think he does a stellar job on, he is definitely no stranger to the world of acting. He has done a number of performances over the years. I think Krim, for the most part, Kevin sounds pretty decent, though I think there's at times where he sounds a little bit stiff. I think... Maybe, like, at the start of the movie where they are supposed to be kids, he sounds maybe a little, a little bit, like, stiff or maybe, like, a few years older than he should be as the sort of young, whimsical child who has not been beaten down by the world. I think Kevin works a lot better when Krim gets the short end of the stick every time. I think he's kind of good as a refugee on the run. I think the voice sounds a little... It actually sounds pretty reasonable. I think, ironically enough, Kevin T. Collins as Krim sounds his best when Krim is at his actual worst to the point where he is basically a crazed cult. Genocide man, who is tr- basically violence begets violence. So let's start a war. I'm gonna take my girl back, and b- if I can't take my girl back, I'm gonna kill her and myself along the way. I actually think he sounds genuinely terrifying in those moments when he's supposed to look really unhinged, when he's there with the with the lid and me- with the lit stick, and that's a torch, Andrew. That's it's called a torch. I forgot the word torch for a second. Thank you. He looks really good with his uh, big fire stick. Yes, but I think Kevin sounds like at his best with this character when Krim sounds a little more unhinged. But I think when he's supposed to be like a sort of happier, younger boy, I think that's when it sounds a little bit stiff for me. But I think he does a good job for the most part. Now, let's talk Cher as lately. So, Megan, about how long has the Dub Talk podcast been active, so to speak? Like four years? Four years or so. And in those four years, I could say that Cher Milet is anything but a stranger to our show. Mm-hmm. She has definitely come up on multiple episodes for multiple different types of roles. Cher Milet... As Lelia in a two hour feature film actually might be some of the best I have ever heard from Cherme Lay as an actress. That is not something I say lightly. I have been a fan of her work for a number of years and all the different stuff she's done for Funimation, California, uh, NYAV Post video games, especially video games. Everybody knows how much of a Makoto man I am for Persona 5, but you see her grow. You see her go from youthful and carefree. She is happy. She is bouncy. She is basically she is a dog without she is a dog chasing cars. That is what she is. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: She is a bird that is flying through the sky. Lelia as a character is essentially a take on the bird-in-a-cage princess. And as far as that particular archetype, it's basically like a princess who has been forced against her will, locked in a castle, who kind of wants to see the world. The process with Lelia is extra heartbreaking because you see her as this young carefree girl in love and free and you see her chained in a wor- in a castle that does not love her, that does not respect her, that does not acknowledge her, that doesn't even care for her, that would not care if she dropped dead the next day. She finds sympathy with the Renato who are chained and want to be free. There's so many lines I want to say. It's just... If you have, have wings, tell me why you don't fry away. She just sounds so tired and beaten down and broken and cold. And how fucking merciless she is when she is able to use her own pregnancy as, like, a bargaining. And, like, don't hurt my friend. You know what comes next if you do. It's like, oh... That's a... Oh, Christ. That's how bad it's gotten for her. But... I think another thing is that's really notable, Ch- Jeremy Lee. Uh, I'll let you go more into this particular part when she finally snaps. I will let you te- I will let you talk about that. But all I will say is I want to ma- mention there's something she says at the end when she's kind of breaking and crying at the end. I don't want to be alone anymore, and I find that interesting because actually writing notes. If you ever fall to love, then you'll truly be alone is something echoed by the Elder Racine. Mm -hmm. She loved Krim. She loved the world. She loved freedom. She loved her life. The more you love, the more you'll truly be alone when it's taken from you.
0: Fuck, this movie is so good!
1: Yeah, this is like the darkest this movie ever gets is what happens to Lelia and... I think one of the best parts of Lelia and Chermi, outside of that, I will say this. I love- I want to see if I where I wrote it down. Ah, uh, uh, hang on. I need to control F to find I wrote it. Because I know I wrote it. Yes, I, I, I wrote it in the wrong section. That's why I couldn't find it. The thing she says when she finally encounters Menmel for the first time. I am Lelia. I am wild, strong-willed, I am reckless, I am free, I'll always be free. And that is something she says proudly after she has spent years locked away suffering in silence, unable to see her child, unable to see the world and the people she loved around her, fearing the people she loved were dead and had forgotten her. Somebody who had lost everything. And at the end of this movie, she takes that one leap of faith and she escapes and she is free. And after all the hardships, all the pain, by the end of this, she flies free once more and that's beautiful and fucking hell Cher Lay sells everything about this character and it's genuinely one of the best in her career I don't say that lightly she's got quite the resume in case you haven't seen it
0: Brooklyn and Cher- and Courtney have such small presence at, like Medmel's literally in like two scenes guys but those two scenes can honestly be the two biggest daggers in your in like in the in the fucking movie Uh, the first time with Courtney is when she's like a little girl like kind of reading and she goes where are my father and grandfather oh they're busy honey you know that and then she goes where's my mother and then the maid just very goes what about your mother and she just stops and like this girl has to be like five or six and just the way that she goes but what about my mom is just like really heartbreaking to me and then Brooklyn at the end as just this older Medmel who is like you said she has the sense of like I honestly believe this I do believe that Medmel had all of it was an eorf that she wasn't aging mm. they just didn't they were so concerned with the look and the pa- the idea of how they missed that she might have actually been one because uh, like they even said Medmel doesn't matter if she doesn't have the power or can't bear me a son mm like if Medmel they were like yeah Medmel is basically going to be a cow is basically going to be a breeding cow she's going to pump out kids and so is and then they're like well we can't use Laylee anymore because god knows what complications she potentially went through we don't know um Kevin T Collins is Krim. um he was always the performance I I wasn't super sold on in the dub um, no offense to Kevin T. Collins, who is obviously a talented actor. I think for a lot of people, he is the definition of Griffith from Berserk. Um, this is a movie that I saw in the Japanese, and, like, I I thought, like, it, it's weird to bring up Seiyu, um I thought Yukikaji was fucking phenomenal as Krim in the Japanese. And that says a lot because I'm not, like, always the biggest Yukikaji fan.
1: Um, they, put, they use him a lot. They don't always use him well
0: well like it's he's an every it's it's like the he's an everything thing so kids when you say oh dub's used the same seven actors just go look at Yukikaji's resume um but i will agree that like as i've watched the dub um three other times now like i've watched the sub once i've watched the dub like out of the four times i've watched i watched the dub more than i've watched the sub at this point um i do agree that like as Krim becomes more unhinged he become for Kevin T Collins' performance becomes better, and uh you didn't bring up the scene, but this is a scene that brings me to absolute chills whenever I watch it. it is after Krim has violently kidnapped Makia, um, he he holds her in a room where she is not allowed to see anybody, and her hair grows out. It is
1: as sterile a location I'll, as, as you, could be. Sh-
0: you can imagine. Like it, it looks like a it, it's a pure white chamber basically. But, uh, Kevin's best moment to me is not when he's confronting Lelio in the circle of fire and is ready to take them both out. It's when he's got Maki alone and he starts talking about the Eorfs' culture about their hair. And the way that Kevin T. Collins walks this line of just, like, it's, like, you can tell that he's trying to be Racine, but he has become an unhinged individual. And he's like, don't you know, Makia, only those of us who have become parents are ever allowed to grow their hair out to this length. You are the one, you've, uh, the, since the se- I think he says it, and it's it's such a fucking creepy and amazing line, by the way. It's, the second you were separated from us, you died as you live.
1: Oh, I missed that. That's, oh.
0: You died as you live that day. Oof you like you wandered around in a dream isn't it time for you to wake up and he pulls her back by her hair to the point where like the dye that she's been having in her hair has grown out like if you don't if you don't dye your hair like me uh you could see a really good example of this in the in the shot direction of this movie uh Maki's natural hair has gone down to a point where it kind of like fades with the dye that she's been using um, he grabs her by it so hard and the movie cuts to a shot of the chair that she's in and Makia's feet where her feet and her chair come off the ground and land again. Mm-hmm. It just... It shows you... And I think that as much as you say that um, Lelia has suffered the uh, the words if you should fall, uh, come to fall to love you will truly be alone so has Krim. Yeah. Krim was in love with Lelia and he was in love with this society and this idea and he wants to preserve that for- like we have to preserve- he in- he in my mind like as- he's a foil to Hazel and um the king. He is just as bad as they are. He violently tries to possess both Lelia and Machia and I think that the way that they- they are basically two sides of the same coin. They are- policing like the way the society and that like women in the society are supposed to be um, and people tell you there's no politics in anime
1: none um, at all
0: oh there's no politics of social social commentary in anime never children that's a lie um, what do you
1: think godzilla is kids
0: especially shin godzilla um but Kevin's performance in that scene, in the fire scene, were the peak of his performance. Where I feel like the rest of the movie, there were just some times where I feel like the sub performance was a little bit more from what I was looking at. Um, but let's talk about like what I actually think is the best performance in this film. Like, in terms of screen time, Machia does take a majority of it. Machia and Ariel but the way that Lelia is used as this countered punct- this counter to Machia's life is and the way that Sherem does it is so beautiful and so like captivating like because if you think about it Machia has become a mother by choice and does these things by choice Lelia was forced into this like here's the thing it's like Lelia, the fir- the way that they try to get Lelia back the first time was it's the wedding ceremony of the prince and Lelia, except for Lelia's is already pregnant. Mm. Like, let's not beat around the bush. They raped Lelia, probably a lot. Yep. She, she, and then they take her child from her violently. From what I, I think they- the movie kind of does and. I think to me, like the two really standout scenes besides the ending one, which I think I'm not going to try to expand on other, uh, and any other thing than that, um, is that moment where she, 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 she talks to Makia and she goes, Makia, what are you doing here? What are we doing? And, and Makia says, come on, Lelia, you have wings. You can fly. You can get out. You can fly over these walls. And Leilia steps out of the light and back into the shadows and goes, I can't do this. And Maki is like, why? And then she just puts her hand to where her belly would grow. And it's wordlessly done that she is pregnant with, with a child of this nation. And then that when Izalur comes, she is like, if you even take one step towards me, and you can kind of start to see the break coming to Lalia, I will stab this through me, kill this child, and myself. Yeah. I will commit suicide. And feet aside, and then comes what I think is, if I had to show anybody a share like where people are like, oh, Sheremy is only Lucy from Fairy Tale. She can only do like the shown-in like girly battle stuff. She can't be taken seriously as an actress in a dub. I would force them down to watch that scene where she snaps and pulls the jewelry off. It is bone chilling. Oh yeah, like. That is a scene that I think regardless of language will make your make you like sit on the edge of your seat. just how like you murder like she's she's like, okay, I hate this is like a really weird comparison and this is gonna be extra weird because this movie's getting like a CG remake soon. It reminds me of when Scar gets confronted by Simba and Simba's like murderer.
1: interesting.
0: Where, like, he's like, you tell them who killed Mufasa. And then you get the, I killed Mufasa, and then all the shit goes down and the Hans Zimmer score kicks in.
1: Uh, Um, Another thing I want to mention that's not related to the actual, like, uh, acting of Jeremy there is, that scene is animated so fucking well. You see-
0: Oh, yeah, like, the whole scene from, like- music, to acting, to animation, and just, like, the shot composition. Like, the, the shot of Lelia's eyes as she's crying and they're wild and mad going, and how Cherby leaves, bring me Makia. Bring her to me. I am alone. And, like, she has gone unhinged and just how many shots are not of like Layla Layla's torso where you can see her face as she talks, but Layla's torso as where her womb would be.
1: I didn't even notice that. Wow, okay.
0: I I am a film I am a film studies major. This movie is like Something I'd write a thesis on. Oh, this, oh there's oh.
1: plenty to write about, but...
0: There's so much to talk about. Like, this is probably going to be a really long summer at the movies episode, but guys, there's a lot to go over. This is a very dense movie, especially, like, when you have to talk about stuff like shot composition and, like, body posturing in shots, because it really does... You don't, a lot of people don't think, like, why would this have anything to do with, like, a performance? No, because those are mood setters. Those are things that inform you visually with what's supposed to match up out of you audially. Could you imagine having all those 10 shots and be like, bring me Maquia. Or like she was depressed. No, it's not that she's depressed. It's that she's she's unhinged. She is snapped. She is going over the fact that not only did uh not only is this the scene where you learn that the other Eorfs that were with Krim were brutally murdered in front of her. The first time she has seen them since uh, another or since Maquia. Remember, one of the other things that I think makes her hesitate about leaving with Maquia is knowing that she would have to see Krim while being pregnant and all of the social stigma that has like we don't know if this carries in that world i'm going to assume that it is the social stigma that i am going to face the man that i love knowing that i have been sexually assaulted and he may not see me as the same woman he might see me as disgusting and dirty And by the end of it, I think that fear in Lelia is rendered true. When she says, look, I want to go with you, I do, but I want to see my daughter again. She is what's been keeping me alive, not you. And that is a, a thing to talk about in that fire scene that Sherry also does really well too, where she delivers that whole speech to Grimm where it's, I did not live for you. I thought you were dead. Yeah. I thought you were killed. I gave up on ever seeing you people again. I lived for the chance to be with my child again. And his response is, well, fuck you, you're dying. He's like, he basically treats her like he has treated Maquia. That the world outside has tainted them, has dirtied them. He has fallen to love. He fell to the love that he had of Lelia in like a kind of, like you said, creepy cultist thing about the purity of his race.
1: This is a good fucking movie, guys. A fucking
0: movie. This is, like, the most heavy... This is what happens when he puts two people who went to film school together.
1: But... Yeah, yeah, Jeremy's really
0: good. Shirley, good. Like, I would love just to show people that scene for Jeremy Lee, just to be like what is, like, there's a lot of, like, like we Andrew said, we are not strangers to Cherami Lee. Like, I have done a lot of episodes with Cherami on there, and she genuinely does a lot of shows I like, and he just does a lot of shows I don't like. Um, it's usually the best part about it. <laughs> Hi, Sword Art! Um, but, like, I I love this performance from her, and if I ever got to, to, to see her in person again, like, I am bringing that, and I'm gonna be like, dude, your performance fucked me up. Like, in the best way possible. <laughs> oh, man, that got really tense. Yep. All right. So we have two characters left. We're going to talk about them separately. Though, granted, our next character has three different voices. <laughs> because stages of life. So we're going to talk about all three actors for one char- character. Let's talk about Ariel Ariel is Maki's adopted son that she finds after his parents have been brutally killed by bandits and she breaks their fingers. like trying to get something out of the crypt in Legend of the Hidden Devil. I was thinking
1: more of a Tarzan, but very much, yeah.
0: I wanna know, can you
1: show me? Just just all I the beats from straight-
0: these strangers, like- me. Just all
1: the song beats are replaced with the finger snapping.
0: <laughs> you know what? Phil Collins could probably do I that. I wanna
1: know- can you uh, show, show me? Show me!
0: I want to know about these strangers like me. Okay. Alright, I'm done. That was that was bad and I feel bad. I, I do
1: too. <laughs> uh. So baby Mokwe. Baby Ariel.
0: Baby. Baby Ariel. baby Ariel! Babby. So, uh, Ariel is this character who kind of goes through a lot and honestly, like, he's kind of big mood for me personally. <laughs> well, we'll get to, we'll get to, we'll get to that. Um. Ariel's kind of big mood for me personally. Uh, So, playing the younger version of Ariel is Barnaby Lafayette. Playing the teenage version of Ariel is Ryan Shanahan. And playing the adult version of Ariel is Eddie Lee. Barnaby Lafayette has no known anime credits. Ryan Shanahan is Noromochi Shimada in Fireworks, the younger voice of Shoyo Ishida in A Silent Voice. And Seishiro Sumikawa in Oko Zen. Eddie Lee, you'll know as Shiro Kabuto in Mazinger Z Infinity, Moonshadow in Yu-Gi-Oh! Arc V, and Gladion in Pokemon Sun and Moon.
1: He's the good boy that's got the the Pokemon that has like a metal head, right?
0: Yeah, he has um type Null.
1: Okay, yeah, that one. Yes,
0: I play Pokemon's. <laughs> uh,
1: go ahead. Okay, so let's start with uh Baby Ariel. He's cutesy, very good baby boy. Like he, this is a this is a child actor, but. Yeah, for the most part, he sounds exactly like what he needs to do and he's doing a very believable job. He's the right right amount of childish and kind of immature where he's telling off Dina where he's like, I hate you! I hate you! I hate you! Like, for some reason, I think the thing that's funny to me about baby Ariel is that he's like, he's a baby and he will throw down with anybody who talks shit about, uh, uh, Makia. He reminds me of that one John Mulaney thing. It's like, my, my mommy. So shut the fuck up.
0: (laughs) Do you think Ariel ever put a horse in a hospital?
1: Oh God. That's.
0: Or. (laughs) But. I, I. Ariel, just Ariel in the back. Ariel in the ship. McDonald's. McDonald's. Ariel, we have food at home.
1: Anyways, back on track. Um. I think he, like, does a good job sounding cutesy and, like, immature, but he also sounds very poignant and soft when he needs to. Like, the whole thing where, where he's like, I was just playing with her yesterday. How will I get to see her again when it's about the dog that they're burying? And he just sort of casually asks if everybody dies. And you see the moments of immaturity and heartbreak, but also how much he truly cares and loves, uh, Makia. And also, my favorite personal scene is, like, when, uh, Crib's telling her off, and he just bursts in, like, don't make my mommy cry! I'll make you cry! Cry. <laughs> yeah. Which, A plus, but... Like, this tiny,
0: like, six-year-old's gonna shake Crim. Oh. He would've been doing us all a
1: service. Ariel, what's that in your hand? A knife! Knife! Uh, uh come on, tell me you can't see it. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> Barnab... <laughs>
0: Hell no Barnaby
1: does a really good job as a child actor I think there's like one or two expository things where it sounds a little bit like flat but he's like what a six or seven year old child I can believe it
0: I don't actually know and I'm too afraid to he's, look he's so.
1: probably not six or seven years old anymore Ryan does a very good job sounding like this very good stuck-up teenage voice who's trying his hardest to seem cool but he's also just kind of He's sort of in a mix of teenage rebellion and also kind of trying to find his relationship with Makia, because he learned a few years ago because Makia told him she's not his birth mother. She he she adopted him through a finding his birth parents who were dead, and there's this angst and insecurity to. To Ryan's voice and also just the anger and doubt. And also when Ryan gets sounds drunk, they get Ariel drunk, which those are some. Sh-
0: they get Ariel like super shit faced.
1: He, he sounds very quiet and mumbly, but also very kind of scary and lashes out too when when drunk and also puts out a fire. But I really was impressed with Ryan when confronting Lang. And it's like I know that I she's taken care of me and she's given me everything and i want to be the one to protect her that's why i need to join the knight and i need to be somebody who can protect her and you see like because tina Ariel's a turning point for ariel and yeah there's a lot going on with that complexity of not showing how much he feels about her but really really he loves her and wants to be better for her and then adult ariel He's a dad now. He's a husband. He's going to be a dad. He's bolder and older. He's trying his best. He's got a loyalty to fight to live. And fight for what he loves and what he wants to protect. And then when he's reunited with her. And... God. Oh. The thing you said earlier is that you taught he taught me to be kind... You taught me every I think I
0: have the exact line that cuz I sent it to okay, you. Okay, I will
1: let I will let you say that then, but
0: <laughs> my my mother raised me to be the man I am so I could love you. Yes,
1: that that he says to Dita. But I also the thing he says to her is like you taught me everything, mom. You taught me to be kind, to be strong, to love someone <laughs> like Eddie sounds older and cooler, but like still with that level of vulnerability and softness to him when he's reunited with her once again. Like he's, he sounds like he's a cool dude. He's a good, angry soldier boy, but that vulnerability and that sincerity and that moment of him like asking her not to leave and that I love you, mom. And he's telling her not to go. Oh, God
0: the music and the animation on that where she, she's, like, walking across the water, like, kind oh, of like that a goddess sh- and he's just, like, crawling because his leg's been stabbed!
1: Oh, that sh- that's so beautiful, and oh, man. Eddie, Ryan, Barnaby, all three facets of Ariel as a character, they nailed it.
0: Oh, God, I don't want to cry to this segment. So, a lot of people, like, I want to start with Barnaby, who is absolutely the cutest. Like, By- there's a lot of, like, kids who have done NYAV post, like, children roles. Barnaby is the fucking cutest thing ever. His voice is just adorable. Like, you want to adopt that child. Mm -hmm. And just- for me, I think the one that that really gets me is when, um, he- Makia, like, kind of snaps at him for the first time in his life. And he runs off. So, she's running out in the rain, and then he goes- mommy and she runs because she sees she thinks she sees him and it's his clothes it's his out like his clothes above his like like long johns and he's like ha I got you mommy I shed my skin and I was like and then he like almost falls into the fucking river she's like oh god just the whole did I get you mom and I was just like Jesus Christ my heart holy hell oh god he is so like he does a such a fantastic job of just like He's my fa I think he's my actual favorite of the air- like, he's like my second favorite of the aerial voices. Uh-huh. I- I- I absolutely- I hope this- I hope that this young- young man, um, gets to come back and kind of grow and do anime kind of like Aaron Dismuke does. Mm. Did. I think he would be a phenomenal voice actor in a lot more stuff. Um, uh, I'll do actually Eddie Lee next because I think Ryan has like the most meaty part of his performance. Uh, Eddie Lee is somebody I I've I've heard him as Gladion and I actually really liked him. I thought I he is somebody I, I really hope I get to hear in like more stuff I watch. Um, he does a really great job of just being kind of this older, more maternal, and like I think he kind of realizes where he's gone wrong in his life towards Machia. and just the the, the penultimate scene for me, like as much as the stuff with Dita is really good, just. It's that part where he and Makia are just finally talking it out because they're going to have to be separate again. And he's like, come back with us. Like, you got- And she's- He's just like- I think he thinks that this is kind of like a dream, but he realizes it's not. He hasn't died. He is alive. He's gonna get to go home. But he wants Makia to come. And just- The way he yells out, I- Like, mom. Just- like a a dagger through me that's there's Ariel's knife that he grabbed as a child just going into me um shanking me instead of shanking Krim um he is such a good thing and then Ryan Shanahan is the best male performance in this movie like he is phenomenal as teenage ariel just having to deal with the awkward mumbling having to deal with people uh portraying a a a gentleman who has to deal with people saying some pretty creepy shit about the woman who raised him because he's like one of the guys like i think at the bar like when you you see them working in the minor area goes Mm -hmm. dude have you ever noticed your sister has a really nice ass and he goes never really looked at it and, like, you can tell that he's like, oh, my God, can you put? It's like Kaiser Dekko doing the internally screaming thing. Oh, from when, TFS uh, Ridge. From <laughs> Where I'll it's like, I'll be uh, your mommy. Your mommy. <gasps> <gasps> like, that exact moment. Like, and then when he gets absolutely shit-faced and he starts yelling and... And, just like, you're not my mom and stuff. And I know there are some people I know who get really pissed off about that moment. And... There are a lot and this is where I brought up the whole Ame thing from Wolf Children.
1: Let's not spoil go too much into Wolf Children for this.
0: But if you've ever seen Wolf Children, every I think a lot of people have the genuine consensus of that, like, Ame is kind of an asshole and never has to face retribution for what he's done. Um Ariel does, and let's be real, like, I'm adopted, guys. Like I've I've made mention of this in other episodes. Like, I am adopted, and I'm not gonna lie, I have pulled that shit on my mom before. I have pulled the you're not my real mom card of my mom. Like, in anger. That is a genuine thing that, like, I have done, and I was a shitty teenager. Like, we do it nowadays as a joke. Like, whenever I do something stupid, my mom will blame my dad and goes, apple doesn't fall far from the tree. My dad's exact response is not from my tree.
1: Okay. Wow.
0: And then, when I I do the, like, when he does something stupid, my dad, my mom's like, that's your dad. I'm like, I didn't have, I don't have any of his genetics. So we do it back and forth to each other. It's like, we kind of shit on each other in that way like but it's it's a it's a thing but like there's a difference between like doing it funny and doing it not funny and a lot of people don't like that like she's done so much for him and that like the movie acknowledges that guys and i think that ryan really gets through that with uh working off michael schneider as a as an actor obviously they don't record at the same time um but just like he knows this he knows he's being an asshole. But he's doing it because he doesn't know what to do. Like, y'all thought, like, I, I would imagine that this is a very kind of hard, hard thing to go through. And just, I think Ryan knocks it out of the park. And I also hope that he's in more stuff as things go on. Um, I know that he's kind of like, like, part of me knows that they will never, they will never do it. Um, that they will never do it. But I would kind of hope if they ever made a silent voice, the television series, that he would get to come back to play asshole baby Showyo. Yeah. And, like, the you that, like, slowly turns into, like, the one that we get with Robbie Damon, but, like, yeah. Okay. So, and I will say this, though, I am very happy that these three gentlemen, these three people play Ariel, because they also do sound like they would be the same person at different points in their life. Yeah. Um, that's something that's really hard to accomplish with two actors. It's even harder to accomplish with three. Mm. I would believe that all of these are the same human being. Just like I would believe, um, Dita, Lang, and, um... Uh. Dita and Lang and Medmel were all the same person as well. Okay. So. Alright, let's get on to the the woman, the myth, the legend, the challenger for Hana and best anime mom of all time. Makia. Makia. Makia is our titular protagonist. She is the ERF girl who starts out at the age of 15. By the end of the movie, she's probably like in her 80s or 90s. Um, Who goes from kind of alone, innocent, and naive. To more understanding and accepting of the world. Uh, playing Machia is Xanthi Wynn. Xanthi Wynn you'll know as Mako mahoma in Anohana, the flower we saw that day, Miyuna Shirome in A Lull in the Sea, and Mayumi Hitomi in The Dragon Pilot. Yes, all three of those are roles in things that mari Okada okada has worked I'm on. I'm very
1: impressed you pulled that off.
0: I almost forgot that Dragon Pilot was a Mario okada show.
1: Yeah, lady's been busy, she's got a busy workload. Um, so Makia. Okay. We, look, we we were just talking about children. We are children. Who are we kidding? Um, and so is Makia. I managed to work that around. Makia is a child who is raising another baby at the age of 15. She is. Makia has never done anything wrong in her entire life, and y'all know it. Like, the worst she did in the movie was she got a bit tired from work one day and was kind of harsh to the babby boy. Wasn't even
0: tired. She was from work. She was trying to find, um, find work. Yeah,
1: which, as somebody who's been trying to find work for a couple of months, believe me, I know that feeling. But, there's, the thing I find really interesting about Makia is that Makia is very much the epitome of, she doesn't age, she doesn't change, the years go by, and she still looks like a youthful 15-year-old girl. I think she is similar in that regard to Memma, or to her performance in Memma, but I think there's something very keyly, there's a key difference to her performance as Menma to Makia to me. Menma is a child who never grew up, and is always the child that never grew up makia does she doesn't look it makia does grow up and in the way that xanthi acts she sounds younger and naive and like she doesn't know anything at the start but then she grows up she starts learning how to take care of this child she starts becoming somebody who is just a single mom in the city trying to work and make a living and make ends meet she is somebody who is trying to Help somebody give birth to another child. She is that, that more experienced woman who is growing. Xanthi is expressive and young, but she's wise as she, she ages. There's a couple of things that she says where it's like, I love when uh, Ariel s- talks for the first time and she just says very softly, Say it again. Say it one more time. And there's just that like sincere joy to her. But you also see the cruelness of the, the hand she's been dealt. You see the cruel fate of somebody who does fall in love with the world of humanity. The people around her. Unlike Lelia, Lelia is surrounded by the worst of humanity. She is surrounded by those who are despicable. Those who take. Those who use her. Those who abuse her. She All she thinks of humanity are those who have wronged her, those who have imprisoned her, those who clipped her wings. (laughs) Makia sees the beauty and the kindness of humanity. She sees a woman who she just goes into her barn one day and starts trying to drink goat titty milk in her barn. And it's just, instead of calling the police or getting her pitchfork or anything, she's just like, what's going on? What's happening? This woman who has never met her gives her a home and a place to call her own to help her out to grow and learn what it is to be a mother. She sees the hard work of humanity. She starts learning what it is to love a child and to love the people around her. She sees the good in this. She sees the good in people. And it all the more painful that she grows up and they all age and die and she will stay the same. And that is cruel. And you see the entire movie she's co- sort of coming to terms with that regardless of if she will be around forever she will always love ariel she will always be his mother she will always be there for him and be somebody who cares for him and xanthi is so perfect as Makwe. you see all the sides of her horror her anguish her laughter her silliness her trying to be like a tick like a fun mom. Her being the tired mom, the overworked mom, somebody who's trying to survive in this world, and somebody who founds a newfound confidence and love. And Oh god, that final scene of that movie fucking destroys me. And Santi's so good.
0: <laughs> don't cry. Don't cry, because then I'll start to cry. Too
1: late, motherfucker because oh there's God. no other place to talk about it the first time I watched this movie the part that making me ugly cry was when uh, Dina's like I'm sorry I said your mom was dumb
0: I remember looking over to you like and you're just like stop looking at me Like, part- it's like Pat like Root just like zoned out on the couch I'm on, I can't see because he's too far in the dark and then there's just you and Steph like kind of cuddling together like trying to like hide it <laughs>
1: And then the part that killed me in this movie when she's going to visit Ariel for the last time when he's And they have a dog that looks the same as the dog he had when he was a little boy and oh fuck, why did that part kill me? Can I do you want me to go? Xanthi Wynn is phenomenal. I'm so impressed with how she shows age of a character that doesn't age. God, she is the perfect role for this.
0: Oh god, time to be an asshole at the beginning of the segment and then worked my way to good. So the first time I saw the dub, I was like, oh god, this is really weird because I can't stop hearing Menma. Like, I just couldn't stop hearing Menma, and I was like, this is really awkward because I praised the Anohana dub so hard. And just I was like, oh god, please don't tell me they cast her as this because she was makeup for she was Menma. And the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, this is really good, but I just couldn't shake that. The second time I watched it, okay, yeah, you're a moron, Megan, this is phenomenal. Third time watching it, I would die for you. Like, it, it is probably one of the most hard performances you'll ever have to to do in an anime. How do you portray a character who is aging with a body who doesn't age? Makia will always look the same. Makia isn't... And this isn't like, oh, I'm playing, like, a deity that looks like an adult man who is, like, really... Or, like... This isn't, like, the whole, like, Hey, I'm sorry. Sorry to, sorry to dunk on you, Kristen, if you watch this. This isn't, like, Senko-san, where it's, like, Hee-hee, I'm really 10,000 years old, but I look like a child so that you can have kind of creepy, creepy moments where, like, a dude touches my tail and it's vaguely sexual. I was also
1: going to go like, for, like, the Fire Emblem thing of the, the dragon lollies.
0: I like Noe, shut up. The, the um, point still stands. I like Noe enough, fuck off. Um, but, like, I, I, I was kind of going for the more, like, anime version of that, because, like, technically you don't ever have to make anything sexual between you and Noe. That's a choice thing. You just have to do it to get gnaw. Like, like, there's a lot of anime things where it's like, hee hee, I'm really 10,000 years old, let's make it vaguely sexual. This is, hey, we're gonna do this, but it's going to destroy you as a human being. And you are gonna go wanna hug your mom if your mom is not an abusive piece of shit. Um. Mm. Like, Xanthi, to me, there there are those kind of moments where she's, like, really funny. It's like, I don't know how these work. But there's also those moments where, like, Lang yells at her in the bird. She's like, I don't know how to... Like, that's the first time I think legitimately maquia ever encountered death.
1: Mm. Like,
0: that she, like, okay, obviously she encountered death when she was breaking the fingers off. But the death of something she cared about.
1: Yeah, you're right.
0: That's the first time Machia ever watch something she loved die like that was family dogs are your family people
1: they are fuck you if you disagree
0: get off my get off my get out of my comments if you don't disagree that dogs are family they're all good boys and good girls um but like that moment's so so heartbreaking and then there's also just the most uplifting moments like after he walks for the first time where she's just like say mama and he doesn't, she's like, say it again. And then like, you're getting so big, but you still smell like the sun. When he falls asleep outside her door, and then when she gets super pissed at him, is like, I'm tired, and she has a legit like the first time I think you've ever heard Maquia legitimately snap in her life.
1: Yeah, that was And
0: it's so convincing because she sounds like a mom who's been at it. And like, you have to remember that maquia is coming from the lowest of lows. Remember, after she she kind of gets stuck with this Renato. She's gonna kill herself! She was gonna- Remember, she only heard Lelia's voice and said, Jump, Makia, come on, you can do it. Mm. And then, like, the, the fact that I don't think she ever holds, like, any ill will towards Krim, even though for what he's done, and just... Let's talk about the dagger in my heart.
1: Let's do it. Let's
0: talk about the two daggers. Um, That ending monologue, where... Ariel is laying and he thinks he's dreaming and he's like is this snow and she's like no it's ash Mazarte has fallen you need to go home Dita had a baby had your baby I was there and she's talking and she's just like over these years you haven't you haven't called me mom in years but I realized that's okay whatever name you call me it still means you care about me I'll, res- if you call for it, I'll, any name you call of me, I'll come to find you, basically. And I have it, I think I have it written down.
1: I do too. I have
0: it written down and I want to be the one to say it. Go ahead. Um, don't, don't fucking cry. Um, just where, they're kind of on this, this water and she just says, Uh, you wove me together, Ariel, all that I am.
1: That's good, that's good,
0: that's good. Just, like, because you have to imagine that, like, weaving for her is all that she had at one point. Like, that was her way to communicate with uh, her past. And just the idea that weaving and tearing and stuff. And she just, then she just walks off on the water like a goddess. And then you cut to to this little girl who looks like Ariel playing in a field of flowers. And she... She goes, "Is your mom is your mom around here?" and she goes to say goodbye. And just you get this montage of her and her and Ariel as Ariel grows up calling for her and calling for her. And Xanthi's delivery of, "I'm so sorry, mom has to break her promise."
1: And she just cries. cries so so hard, hard as the as the Tanty lions it's are hit by the wind.
0: And, and it's just like, Ma, it, it's Xanthi's crying and this woman took her mom to see the dub. She's stronger than me. Oh. I I regret potentially, I like, I would have loved to give her a W last year. I really would have. But she was against such strong competition and she was up there. Like, now thinking back on it, she should have been up there.
1: She let's 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 put a lesson. I think that was put in this movie. Don't regret what could, could have been. been. Hold hold and treasure dearly what yeah. you have.
0: So, let's get into just. I think we can just do final thoughts between l- each l- other.
1: L- let's just do final thoughts. Um, something I think that I have not talked about much. This movie is gorgeous. This movie is beautiful. It is stupendous. PA works always looks really good, but this looks phenomenal it looks like a storybook fairy tale it looks amazing it sounds amazing the story is moving it's touching it's great mario kata is she is a influential popular name for a reason she's good at what she does and what she does is i think the thing that's interesting about her she makes things that are sad but they don't feel like they are suffering or they don't feel like they are tragedies. This feels like it- This is a sad movie, but... This is not, like, a tragedy. This is not... The tragedy, I guess, is crimp. But this is, like, a beautiful movie that is sad, but it is, like, sad with a smile on your face. And that's what I think Mocklia kind of envelops. This dub is really good. It's really well done. It's got some hiccups here or there, but... For the most part, I really like the entirety of the cast. They do a stellar job. Genuinely, like, career standouts for Jeremy Lee and Xanthi Wynn. Like, those are ones that will stick with them. And those are ones that I think both actresses should hold with pride. They are phenomenal. This is a gorgeous movie. It's a wonderful movie. I'm glad I'm talking about it here with you
0: this is such a phenomenal powerhouse of a movie and god like i remember when i remember like i wanted to see this movie because i was like i like mario Okada stuff like i hadn't really finished a lot of her stuff i'd started and i just never really finished it look here i try to purge the fact that she worked on vampire night from my brain um but like I, I saw this movie twice in theaters and I legitimately bawled my eyes out. Like, disgusting cried the first two times I saw this movie. And I, I I tear up at certain points re-watching it because I think at this point, having watched it like four or five times, I do think I'm a little bit desensitized knowing what happens. So like, it's not like I haven't cried. It's like, I, I've seen this enough that I, I I kind of cry a little less and less. This is a movie that hits so home to me being adopted and yet uh, and, like, I haven't shown this to my mom yet, and I shouldn't. She's kind of pissed when I told her the plot of this movie, and she's like, why the hell haven't you shown me this? Um, but it, not enough can be said about how how really good this dub is, especially for Santhe, uh the three gentlemen who play Ariel, and Lelia especially as the, the standout performances. Um, I think that this is a movie that you could sit and talk about. Just the socio- political stuff that goes on in it. Just the story, the implications. Like, we, we were getting into it, and this is the first time, like, I think I've ever, like, actually had a discussion about this movie in that fashion with another person, because like, yeah, everyone wants to talk about, like, the mom aspect of it, and like, this is such a heartwarming, uplifting film. Like, uh, even other people I know who review this, I know, um, it's weird to shill out other people who aren't on this. Uh, Glass Reflections is a really good review of this movie, and you should go fucking watch this video on it. Um, go please go watch our of shit on this um he talks about how this movie has a lot going on with it and i think the adaptation team and and the performances of here really work well with it like i said there's one performance i think i would prefer in the japanese a little bit better but that's not saying it's bad it's a personal preference thing um overall this is a a, a great dub this is a phenomenal movie like you are doing yourself a disservice as to not watch this movie like, please watch it. Like, it's three bucks to rent on YouTube. You can get it for 20 bucks at, like, on the regular edition at, like, Walmart. You're, like, at Best Buy and shit. Like, please watch this movie. Like, I don't know why you have sat through how long this episode is and not watched this movie.
1: So... By the time you have sat through this whole episode and not watched it, you have watched the actual entire length of the movie already.
0: We're sorry. Not really.
1: Um, We're not sorry sorry. at all.
0: So if you would like to follow the Dub Talk podcast, you can follow us at YouTube at Dub Talk podcast. If you uh, like the stuff that we do, you can also follow us on our various social medias, Twitter, Tumblr, which is dead, Twitch. Uh, If you would like to support us on the reg, you can always check out our, can I, should I plug that?
1: I think we can plug it. Okay, cool.
0: If you would like to uh, support us on a regular basis at any financial level, you can always become a Patreon of us. However, if you can't commit to a long-term commitment of giving us money, but you would like to give us money as a one-time thing, we also do have a way that you can buy us a coffee, and our coffee link is in the description. <laughs> now, my dude, whore yourself out.
1: My name is Andrew. You, I all, I'm. Bleh blah 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 I, i'm forgetting my name my name is andrew aka classy spartan I, you can find me on twitter at mangaman 9000 uh i am a uh community manager and moderator for the funimation forums and discord as i also do a, another anime-based podcast uh surreal resolutions podcast ona with fellow dub talk cohort jet
0: so my name is Megan. You can follow me at Queen 2. I shitpost on the regular. That's all I really do. You can hang out with me on like various discords where I'm usually a shit gremlin. Uh, so with that being said, we both really want to thank you for sitting through this and I would apologize for how heavy it it got, but I don't.
1: I don't at all. Oh. This is a this is a beautiful, heavy movie. There's a lot of ways to enjoy it. But yes, as, as has been said before, uh, you can find it. You can rent oh, it fuck, on Oh, fuck. I never
0: said where you could buy this movie. If you'd like to purchase this movie, you can rent it on YouTube. You can buy it from uh, most of your local retailers with the DVD from 11 Arts and Shout Factory. And if you really like the movie as much as I did, you could plunk down for the special edition via right stuff
1: point is this is a wonderful movie please support the official release from shout factory 11 arts nozomi entertainment wherever you can watch this movie legally
0: so with that being said we want to bid you a good night if you if you are still on speaking terms with your mom please go hug your mom for us
1: please please do
0: and if you're not i'm your new mom now
1: we are we are your new mom now including him indeed including me anyways Thank you all for watching. Uh, please tune in for more uh, dub talks, of the movies, and tune into more of our stuff. But thank you very much.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, and otaku on, my friends. Good night. Good night. Good night.